Please take a Bible. If you're using the Bible in the pew, I will give you two page references. First is Matthew 26, verse 27. That is on page uh, 1544, Matthew 26, 27. And the other one is in the book of Hebrews, which is the main passage I'm going to speak on today. Hebrews chapter 10. And that's on page 1872. Matthew 26, 27, and Hebrews 10. Well, I hope you've all had a good Christmas and you're ready for the new year. Any new year people out there? Anyone excited? Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for your holy word as we open it today just for a few minutes. Uh, may that be enough time for your Holy Spirit to move us, to appeal to us, to draw us close to you. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. May he come soon. In his name we pray. Amen. You remember the events around the cross these disciples had been uh, with Jesus approximately three, perhaps three and a half years, and Jesus had been telling them constantly that he would die on the cross. But somehow, someway, there was this blockage there. They really couldn't grasp what it meant for Jesus to die on the cross. To them, that was really, really bad news. And then the time came when it was, it was a Passover period of time, so now we're picking it up in Matthew 26, if you want to open your Bible there. And um, we, have the, we have the, what we call the Lord's Supper, this Passover Supper, which actually is on page 1543, the Lord's Supper, uh, beginning at verse 17. And though it may not say it in this passage here, you'd have to read in the Gospel of John in chapter 13, but there was a, a foot-washing period there. There was this strife between the, the disciples. Their hearts certainly were not ready for what Jesus is soon to go through on the cross. They felt very strong within themselves, but not strong maybe within Christ. And so Jesus washes their feet. And of course, that is part of our communion service today. After this, after this section of our service, we will separate in the different rooms and, and wash one another's feet. And the whole emphasis there is on cleansing, primarily cleansing from sin. This pride, this uh, wrong spirit that the disciples had, had to be dealt with. And if it's not dealt with, then we make the mistake of Judas and we betray our Lord. As it is, it's bad enough because, because these, these apostles uh, dis, disown their Lord. They, they abandon Him when He comes to be arrested. But the verse I want us to focus on is in verse 27. 
and though I can't, don't have time to explain all of the, all of the um, details here, it says in verse 27 that Jesus took the cup, He gave thanks, offered it to them, saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood, verse 28, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, this is my blood, this is the covenant. What does that mean? And I find that there's a lot of confusion, not just in the Adventist church, but in many, many churches on this whole idea of covenant. Just think of the covenant as, as, as the terms that God has established on how to be right with Him. Well, all of you here this morning want to be right with God, correct? Okay, how does that take place? That's what the covenant is all about. So we have covenant given to Abraham, Phineas, David, and others throughout Noah, others throughout uh, Scripture. But when then Jesus comes along, He comes, of course, in the flesh. God is coming in the flesh as a human being so we can relate to Him. And this idea of covenant is mentioned once again in Scripture. Now, I'm not going to take time to look at the passage in Jeremiah, but the basic passage that's a very important passage for New Covenant emphasis is in Jeremiah 31, 31. Isn't that an easy way to remember something? Jeremiah 31, 31. And if you can find that, put that in your head, mark it in your Bible, you've got maybe the most important passage in the Old Testament on the idea of the New Covenant. I'm going to pick it up in, in Hebrews because that is another place where this new covenant idea is, is mentioned. So I'm going from Matthew now to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Picking it up on page 1872. And there the writer of Hebrews talks about the inadequacy of the law. Now those of us that have been studying Galatians know a little bit about that, don't we? The law is fine for what God intended it to be. The law is very good at, at pointing out sin. And we need that, don't we? We need to know that we're out of a right relationship with God because of sin. So the law is very good at doing that. But the law can never bring life. And that's what we need. We need this new life from God. Notice in verse 5, it says, when Christ came into the world, He said, now the writer is quoting the, the Old Testament here and applying it to the Lord Jesus Christ, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Now remember, it was God who instituted the sacrifices and the offerings. When, in that sacrificial system, all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. And then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. So when you think of the new covenant, think of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to do the will of God. And though you may not understand all the details of the new covenant, that's a very important concept to understand. Now, around Christmas time, Last week, we, 
we lay an emphasis on the birth of Christ. Well, that's where the body in Hebrews fits in very well. The whole concept of the incarnation. This little baby would grow to be a man in a human body that would be sacrificed on Calvary. And it's not just you and I that have trouble understanding the significance of Jesus on the cross. These people that the writer of Hebrews is is writing to, they had a major problem with that too. Otherwise, we wouldn't need uh, the details of of this letter. So here, the first emphasis I want to lay here from Hebrews is on the idea of a body, a body that is willing, able, without sin, able and willing to do God's will. What was God's will? To redeem the human race. How would that happen? By Jesus dying on the cross. And then the question comes up, is that sufficient? Is that enough for Jesus to die? Or do we need to add something to that? Well, going back to Galatians, which you just spent three months studying, well, let's add circumcision. Let's add holy days. Let's add something. And Paul gets very upset when we start adding, trying to add things, because what is important is what God, that God dictates the terms, and the terms are only the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Add nothing to that. It's a once-for-all sacrifice. And these Christians in the book of Hebrews were tempted to keep participating in the sacrificial system. Okay, now I want to go to another portion in this Scripture here in verse 16. We'll pick it up in verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, He says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put My laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds, and their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So here's another aspect, a very important aspect of this new covenant, the idea of the forgiveness of our sins. Don't you think it would be a wonderful thing to go into the new year with no sins on your record? Zip, zilch, gone. That's what we have in Jesus and the new covenant. And the way to look at a new covenant is a renewed covenant. God is constantly making these covenants with mankind and is renewing that through the Lord Jesus Christ. The hard part for us is to understand the significance for us in what He has done in that sacrifice on the cross. So here's some of the implications of this once-for-all sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already mentioned um, laws being placed in our heart. Isn't it much better? You can have a law on a piece of stone, but that can't move the human heart. It can tell you what's in your heart, but it can't change anything. But what about taking those principles of the law and placing them in the human mind, in the human heart? Then... We can have behavior that truly pleases God from the heart. 
So we've mentioned the, the laws in the hearts, writing them in the minds, their sins, their lawless acts will be remembered no more and forgiveness. Now, let's add to that in the next few verses, verse 19. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, some don't like that translation, most holy place, don't, don't let that bother you. Since we have permission by God, an entrance to go into the, into the most holy by the blood of Jesus by a new and a living way. Verse 20, slow down there. This is New Year language. New covenant, new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body. Jesus said all Scripture testifies of Him. So when you and I learn all those elements in the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, and other places in, in Exodus about setting up this tabernacle and the sacrificial system, it's all to point to the Lord Jesus Christ. It tell you something about the life, the ministry of Jesus Christ. A new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, who is that? Who's the great priest? Jesus. So He's not just the sacrificial system on the cross. He's also the priest, and He's actually ministering. He's alive from the dead. He's ministering in heaven. Everything that we're doing here today, the Lord Jesus Christ is aware of. And especially at a time like this, at a communion service, the promise is that Christ will come very, very, very close. So if 2011 has not been a good year for you for getting close to the Lord Jesus Christ, right now, right this very moment, you can change all that. And notice the, the, the intimacy language that is used here in the context of this new covenant between God and us. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. There are many gifts that I could ask for for the Anderson Church. This would be one of them. I don't know if it would be the top one, but it would be a really, really important one. Because I've always felt, ever since I've been a pastor, I've always felt that if people really understand what Christ has done for them on the cross, and if they apply their understanding to their life, their life will be totally transformed. But where, where you get Christians or Seventh-day Adventist Christians who are timid, who are fearful, who do not have the confidence and the boldness to go into the presence of God, then you have a weak, a weak, weak church. So here, full assurance of faith. If your understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus gives you anything less than full assurance of faith, then your understanding is faulty. If you think the emphasis is upon you and your performance, then you've got it all wrong. And after three months in Galatians, that should have been cleared up in your mind once and forever. You should put that out of the door. We're not on trial. We're not proving things to God. The one who was on trial, the one who proved things to God, was the Lord Jesus Christ. If He would have failed in any aspect, you and I would have no sacrifice for sin. We would be lost for eternity. So full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, 
For he who promised is what? Faithful. So take a faithful Jesus with you into the new year. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and so on and so forth. Do you see how the writer give, gives us, tells us what Jesus has done for us on the cross? And he's doing that all through the book in different ways. But then how we have to apply that. You don't want to have half a heart of assurance of faith. You don't want to think, well, I'm confident when, when my behavior is good, but I'm not confident when my behavior is not so good. There's many people that do that. So full assurance of faith. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are his child. Last night I was in Romans chapter 8 where Paul talks of Abba, Father. It's a term that a Jew didn't use very often. Papa. Closeness. Intimacy. And the Lord of the universe, just think of, just think of a, a king or a queen or a president do you think Barack Obama's children have a problem going into his presence? You and I would have a problem. We would be screened. We would, we would be probably right on the bottom of the list as far as seeing Barack, seeing the president. But his children can run through that door anytime they want. And they can hang onto his trouser pants and hug him and do whatever they want. That's the idea that should come to our minds when we think of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He covered all the bases. Nothing was missed. And all you and I do is with the empty hand of faith, we accept that gift. And because it's such a great gift, yes, our hearts are full. They should be full of gratitude and praise and thanksgiving for the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not sure how it worked out for these Christians, these Hebrew Christians. I hope it worked out well. I hope that they got over that hump where they were torn between the pull of Judaism and the pull of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it may have taken many, many years. It looks like it did take many, many years for the church to, to get past uh, the purpose of the law as, as not in an end in itself, but always pointing us to a greater reality, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it does tell you in your, we're going to separate at this time, it does tell you in your bulletin on the back there, um, I believe it is where we can go, or is that on the front? So we have something for the children, a class for the children, and then we have classes for the singles, for males and females, and then we have a, a, a classroom that we use for the foot washing uh, for all of us gathered together. When we've washed one another's feet, when we finish with that portion of our service, let's come into this sanctuary with a heart full of praise. No one's moaning, no one's complaining, no one's down. You, the foot washing gives you an opportunity. A service, a sermon like this gives you an opportunity to, to tell God that you're sorry for your sins. Tell your brothers and sisters 
where, where you offended them. Just get that stuff out of the way so that when we come in here, we're coming in to celebrate the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that without that sacrifice, you and I would be lost for eternity. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we separate at this time, we thank you for this emphasis in Matthew and in Hebrews on this covenant, this new covenant, this new way, this new living way that we can live the life that Jesus wants us to live. We can go into 2012 with a heart that's full of love and gratitude for you and for what you've done through your Son, Jesus Christ. We know, Lord, from the writer of Hebrews that this sacrifice is perfect. We don't need to add anything to it. So help us to embrace Jesus in his fullness today is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, God bless. We will gather together in a short while.